0: Just the best literature. Hello again, everyone. Thanks for listening in today. Well, I still have no comments, so I'm just anxiously waiting for all of you to write. Now, we ended last week's program talking about Martha Washington's family. And what we want to do is we want to continue that today. So let's just jump right back into our discussion of Martha Washington. And to help me uh, continue our discussion on Martha, I have invited my wife, Deborah, back into the studio today. So welcome again, Deborah. Thank you. I know that you have some things you still want to say about the family and especially about uh, Fanny, um, who was uh, Martha's mom. So so go ahead and, and I think you may have a quote or something you want to read about that
1: yes, well she she married someone named Jack Dandridge, and this is fanny jones who's who's um, martha Washington's mother, and her father was Jack Dandridge. But I think it's interesting this I have a quote here, the way that that they knew each other and the kind of the way that marriages happened and were connected people were connected with each other. It says the courtship of Fanny Jones and Jack Dandridge was almost inevitable. She would already have known him as her half aunt's brother-in-law. And they furthered their acquaintance during the late seventeen twenties after she left Williamsburg. Blood kinship or kinship by marriage was always a plus in colonial matches, both financially and emotionally. Hard for a modern reader to follow, genealogical snarls were easily disentangled by colonial Virginians. In those days of early death and frequent remarriage, most people had several half and step relatives and kissing cousins by the score
0: yes or well, what when when i read that i actually looked up what a kissing cousin was and uh, so so if if you look at what what she's really saying there patricia brady is saying there is that there is an advantage to keeping marriages within bloodlines and so so a kissing cousin it's not that you it's not a French thing when you go up and kiss someone on the cheek. A kissing cousin is actually a second cousin. Oh, okay. And it's exactly second and third cousins because first cousins and, and first cousins are people that have the same grandparents. So a kissing cousin, if you're a second cousin, you don't have the same grandparents. And so that really is considered or at least at that time I think it still is. You, that you can marry a second cousin and have children but it and the thing is that the reason that was valuable is that you kept the wealth and the lands within the family and so um i think even herbert armstrong i think mrs loma armstrong was a cousin when the, when they got married and so so i know that that uh um i th- i think it was more common earlier Today, people just don't get married anymore, you know. So, so that that's not meant to be funny, but that's that's what the you know, the problem out in the society is today. Anyway, but but that was all there to preserve the wealth in the families. That's why it was good for the the colony and good for the family, and that's also why Martha's marriage to the Custis. And I think last program I said Curtis. I keep wanting to put an R in there. The name Custis is different. I've never heard that name until I read this book. So I always want to say Curtis, but it's actually Custis. But uh, they actually weren't of the same family. And uh, we're going to get into that. But he was of a different family and actually a different social class. So – so, but but one thing um, I think maybe we could say is that, that the the one thing that the English brought to this country, especially in the Virginia colony, there was still a class society. And they did have the classes. There was the really, the the high, uh, you know, the, the big landowners. I mean, they would have had thousands of acres. Then there was the middle landowners. They would have had less acreage. And then there were just the planters. They might have a small place of where they just planted tobacco. So so there still was that, that uh, class, society, or that social structure. And you really shouldn't marry up or down, although we know from... Uh, very famous programs like um Downton Abbey that that the uh, people in the middle classes wanted their daughters to marry up, obviously that was because of wealth but there there's a lot involved in that that whole society about dowries and and we 'll be able to talk about this this uh in just a minute but but i i I thought um that we ought to talk just a little bit about um you know her her appearance because so many people think of Martha Washington as Grandma. You know, they think about her on a her picture on a cookie box or something. You know, it's like Grandma makes good cookies or something. But that's really not not true of her. I mean, uh, she really was as a young woman. She was really pretty stunning, and uh, even even Patsy, or not Patsy, even uh, sorry Patricia. Patricia Brady, I'm calling her Patsy now. (laughs) (laughs) But anyway, here's what she looked like. It says she was a brunette with hazel eyes and fair skin. Now, they're saying, Baby Patsy had little time to enjoy being an only child. Her brother John was born slightly less than nine months later. William made his appearance in 1734. Bartholomew, or Bat, was born in 1737 and the sister who became her best friend, Anna Maria or Nancy. Now, I don't know how you get Nancy out of Anna Maria, but anyway, that was her nickname. Was born two years later. By the time she was eight, Patsy had four younger siblings. Then the live birth stretched out with Frances arriving in 1744, Elizabeth or Betsy, now that one I understand, in 1749, and Mary in 1756. Now, now the the thing is, is her mother. Listen to this. This was the the the. I guess the life of a colonial wife. Fanny Jones Dandridge was either pregnant or nursing almost continually for a quarter of a century.
1: Yes, including miscarriages and stillbirths. Right. Yes. So that's mm-hmm. twenty five years. Yes.
0: So so they were they were the breeders. Yes. As it even that was that's actually what they were called. But anyway, um uh Patsy was a looker.
1: Yes, she was. She really was um considered very attractive and um you know, you mentioned that as a baby she had hazel eyes and fair skin. And I know as she got older she was very um much um much she had a lot a lot of suitors basically. A lot of young men were interested in her because of she was very attractive, not only the way she looked but also her her um Personality. She was very sociable, and right. she was very competent in all the different things that they were taught at that time.
0: Well, I, I think the reason why she was so competent is that there was something unique about her. Her girlhood is both of her parents were alive throughout her girlhood. So, so in other words, her and her her uh, siblings they had their they had the two parents or their natural their natural parents for most of their childhood and uh, that would have given her certainly a, 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 an amount of confidence that that uh, maybe other people like like i said if your mother dies or your father dies and you're moving into another family or if both parents die and you have to be you know you're orphaned and then you have to be picked up by maybe a cousin or a relative that's that's hard on people but um uh, i think there's also something to be said and maybe we can talk a little bit about this in terms of her education. And uh, this is what Brady brings up. It says, um, I'll, I'll just come back. I'll just start at the very beginning of the paragraph. This is page 21. It says, Patsy was uncommonly lucky to have both her parents living throughout her girlhood. As the eldest daughter in a household with a retinue of servants, she was surely mama's little helper. And with her younger brothers and sisters, all of them born at home. No wonder motherliness was one of her distinguishing attributes as a woman or that she always enjoyed the company of young people. So, so it seems to me like she would have been a very outgoing, vivacious, you know, young woman that she wasn't, you know, she she certainly wasn't um, maybe of the, the pride and prejudice type of someone to just stay back and read books all the time. I mean, uh, I just don't imagine uh, imagine that she was like that. But the thing is, though, she would have been trained on how to take care of an estate. Or she would have been trained how to take care of a um, you know, a plantation. And even though her parents didn't have as big a plantation, they still had a plantation. Um, Brady even brings this out on page 22. It says, besides the mundane tasks like sweeping and mopping, here are some of the things Patsy learned to do at her mother's side. Kill, <laughs> kill, pluck, and draw fowls from the smallest hen to the largest turkey. Uh, track, uh, track down setting hens, gather their eggs, candle them, make dyes, spin, weave and dye wool, linen, make clothes, sheets, towels, pillowcases, mattress covers, quilts, curtains, bed curtains, tablecloths, napkins, underwear, menstrual pads, diapers, and nightwear. Stuff pillows and mattresses, beat dust from the rugs. Turn mattresses and even out the feathers. Gather useful herbs, plants, berries, roots in the woods, concoct home remedies and beauty aids, salt and smoke hams, bacon, beef, and fish. Make vinegar sauces, syrups and jellies, preserve fruit and vegetables, cook large meals over the fire in an open hearth, bake in a brick oven, make soap from lye and household grease, Make furniture and silver polish and use them. Wash clothes weekly in huge boiling kettle without shrinking or discoloring them and spread them to dry. Crimp ruffles and press clothes with heavy irons heated in the fireplace. Darn, mend, and patch. And knit, knit, knit. Woollen stockings wore out fast. So you can see that they were busy people. And that she really had to, to learn how to take care of a house. And she didn't have... A coffee maker she didn't have a dishwasher you know so so i think that's really quite interesting
1: yes and she learned all those things is it helped her later on when she actually um, had more wealth and she knew how to do things but she actually um she actually was an overseer or could manage uh servants or slaves to do those things but she herself did know how to do them which is good right Yes, right. so and she also learned other things as well, <clears throat> such as proper manners, posture, gestures, curtsies, bows, and voice modulation, all these are all these things. That, their ideal was a British aristocracy, whatever the, their family origins, Virginia planters had become self-conscious members of the upper class, so they had to learn all these things. She also had to learn how to manage her wide skirts gracefully, um, how to decorate her home appropriately and how to be sociable and gracious to guests and carry on a conversation with the most ill-assorted company to sing the popular airs of the day in her pleasant voice and to do fine sewing like needlepoint and embroidery, So, as well as other things. <laughs> so, <laughs> yes.
0: Yeah, so the, the, thing, the thing is, um, again, if, if you look at <clears throat> our modern society, there are so many... Women that are anti all of that They just Don't see any value in it And yet all those things Really prepared her To be the first first lady Of America And uh, you know she she also had You know a great education As well in terms of books And uh, you know uh, You know reading I mean she did become Her husband's one of his Well most valued counselors and uh, you know, she she was very much uh, very knowledgeable of politics, and uh, you know what was going on in America, and how America wanted to become the republic. She was very much aware of all those things, and how important they were. So, so, but there are some other things too that I think are interesting. Is that it? it it's it's almost like you know we we know that um, transportation at that time wasn't. Uh, you know, you couldn't get down there and get in your SUV. You know, that that she would have actually had to learn horseback riding as well. And then so she probably was able to do, as uh, Patricia Brady points out, when she was on the plantation, she could ride, um, you know, a horse like a man. But when she went into the village, she had to ride side saddle to be, you know, to, to certainly to, you know, be feminine. And so, so I, I think that, you know, that's really... Um, you know, quite interesting. And then, of course, the other thing that I think that that is really fascinating to me about the Virginia Colony, especially, and I know you're going to like to hear this, is the Virginians loved to dance. <laughs> and so, so, but that was a major part of the education. Yeah,
1: that was interesting. It wasn't just for fun and social. I mean, you, they. It, there was more more to it than just you know having fun at a dance, but they they spent a lot of time teaching their young people to dance. It was part of their education.
0: Yeah, it, it's interesting that the, that uh, I'll read a paragraph, but, but just the uh, the thing is, a lot of dancing you had to understand music. You had to understand the beats in music. You had to understand the rhythms. And then there were certain steps that matched with the rhythms. And I guess they would actually, uh, it's like you would take a test. If you can't dance to the rhythms, well, you got a D <laughs> kind of thing. Here, here Here's what uh, Brady says on page 24. She says, Virginians love to dance and indulge themselves in that pleasure as often as possible. Peripatetic dancing masters made a circuit from neighborhood to neighborhood gathering all of the planter's children at one of their ha- houses for lessons that would continue for two or three long days. These Martinets didn't hesitate to box the ears of inattentive students without a word of protest from their parents, and in the evening the adults danced along with the children. Patsy's group for such vital lessons doubtless included her cousins, brothers, and neighbors to the perplexity of outsiders dancing helped create social cohesion in virginia as well as contributing to the physical fitness dancing well was essential to acceptance by society and so so i know that you know in movies that they uh, you know they show these things so so uh that she goes on then to say the intricate steps of minuets french dances reels and country dances were taught thoroughly and practiced frequently dancing had to quote mind the music and the step unquote very carefully indeed long lines circles or squares of dancers moved in rhythm through intricate patterns in limited spaces pity the awkward booby who turned left instead of right or tripped over his own feet the grace beauty and courtliness of dancers were on display an opportunity for social success or public humiliation
1: <laughs> that's amazing <isn't> it? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it, it
0: really is you know it, it's it's not at all i mean if if you just see any modern t v programs about dances or clubs i mean it's just it's really tribalistic it's it's uh you know it's it's not the grace and the beauty you know the dancing should be and it it really uh it really does show how degenerate we become in our in our education.
1: And we, we really don't learn complicated steps, no. but that's, that's what they did. They, they all knew the complicated steps for the different dances and right. they, and they had did it in a great big group. And, and like, like it says, if you're in a small area. So if one person messed up and messed up, everybody. It messed you up can everybody. just imagine.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so just one, one final paragraph here on, on Martha's education. Again, um, uh, she did, um, uh, you know, she she came from some wealth and a lot of people at that time still bought their clothes from England. And so, you know, she knew how to dress well. But uh, uh, Brady goes on to say, this is still page 24, and I, I really do highly recommend you buy this book for yourself. You will really enjoy it. it. says, dancing was far more essential in the 18th century to a Virginia girl's education than reading, writing, or arithmetic. But Patsy's schooling and those more mundane areas was not neglected Um, probably her mother was her teacher since the Dandages were not wealthy enough to employ a resident tutor she received a solid basic education better than that of some planter's daughters inferior to that of most of their brothers for the rest of her life she was a reader enjoying novels and poetry and perusing daily the Anglican Book of Common Prayer and the Bible especially the New Testament She had a solid grasp of arithmetic, which she later used to financial advantage. Patsy's letters were filled with variations in spelling and grammar, but so were most people. Spelling, capitalization, and verb usage were not yet standardized in England, still less in the colonies. Form was important, and she wrote a passable hand, the lines fairly straight and even. Now, I think I I, uh, read this before about George Washington his hands were practically his handwriting was practically perfect, and it was better than any of the other guys that signed, you know, the the, the formal documents for America. But um, uh, it, it is interesting that that the boys at that time were taught rhetoric, and so were the girls. So they were they were even taught, you know, speech, and so so it's really uh, we can't look back on the, say the hardship or those hard times and think they were uneducated because they really valued education. And so so Martha would have been very well educated. And actually I like I said before I believe that um you know her the, the way she grew up and taking care of you know uh, siblings and helping her mother with the estate is she really did learn how to well help manage um you know the government uh, I guess uh house or you know it's like the you know the place where the president lives she knew how to entertain you know she knew how to help her husband she knew how to to back and support his his job and so you know she was trained for what she had to do so
1: yes that's right i yes i think that's really true
0: one, one other thing that brady brings out that i think is really helpful is that that um Martha Washington would would have been much more religious than her husband and that she was uh she was uh, very grounded in the Anglican faith and uh you know she she uh would really attend church regularly now even george uh did make that comment that he did not attend as regular as uh, uh there's no comparison necessarily with martha but he did didn't attend regularly and uh but uh she really was um you know a, a religious person and really believed in uh you know prayer now it could have been just the you know the book of common prayer reading studying that but but at least you can see that she did have you know a certain moral um moral path that she wanted to follow and she stayed on that her whole life so so I think that's really interesting. All right. So, let's move on now and uh let's talk about her first marriage. I'll let you you talk about some of this. So,
1: okay, well she she was um she was she was plenty old enough to think of marriage in 1748 and um she was called the way she looked, she she looked very. She was very attractive, as I said before, but they called what the English called a pocket Venus, a petite, <laughs> cuddlesome armful. Barely five feet tall, she had tiny hands and feet that were considered marks of, marks of gentility, with dark brown hair and strongly marked eyebrows, smooth white shoulders, and bright hazel eyes and a ready smile displaying beautiful white teeth, a rarity for the time. Yes. <laughs> she epitomized... Considering that George had none. I know, yes. <laughs> she epitomized the feminine ideal for many Virginians. So she had, she had met um, many eligible bachelors and widowers, and um, so so she was, you know, was, you know, people were, certainly were interested in her. But then eventually she, um, she met a man named Daniel Custis, and uh, he really fell in love with her, and um, so he wanted to marry her, but there were some real real difficulties in that whole situation. It was because of his father. His father was someone that everyone in the area knew was really almost eccentric and crotchety and um, angry and difficult, and
0: and and I would add Scrooge. Yes, yes. sounds like a Scrooge, yes. <laughs> yeah. If well, I could I, also just add one little thing here if you don't mind. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh she was considered marriageable at seventeen. Yes. Yeah, so mm-hmm. so so she wasn't any uh any pushover in that sense. I mean she was really well educated but ready at seventeen. And the other thing is Daniel was twenty years older. Yes. Yeah, so right. so I just I, I had to bring that in. Yes, right,
1: Sorry. yes. Yes, he was twenty years older than her and um um but then the, the problem was that the father did not in fact he threatened to disown Daniel if he m- married her because Patsy did not come with wealth and, right. and whereas the Custises had quite a bit of wealth right, and so um it it went on for quite a while, and um you know it didn't look good um in fact, I, I think I believe that that uh, Daniel Custis had tried to m- been interested in some other women, but you know, because of the father, it never worked out. Yeah. Well, this time, this time, um, Patsy Dandridge um, took something into her own hands, and she w- actually went and talked to Mr. Custis herself. Oh,
0: the old grump. Yeah. The old grump.
1: <laughs> and what it says here is, we don't really know. Um, let's see if I said. How it really- how it really came about, but as never one to wait around helplessly, Patsy somehow contrived to talk with the crusty old tyrant herself. Just how she managed it, we don't know, like many bullies. Custis was impressed by strength of character. He actually found the spunky little lady engaging. It is tempting to imagine the scene in which the petite young woman, by, by now eighteen, reasoned with the bewigged seventy-year-old colonel. So, so she won him over and, um, they, they got married then. So right. <laughs>
0: yeah. But what you don't, what, what, uh, what you kind of, um, missed, I just want to bring up that the reason why, uh, Daniel's father, John did not want him to get married because he had a horrible marriage.
1: That's true. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs>
0: Absolutely horrible. They fought constantly. They finally had to sign a legal agreement to stop fighting. I mean, that's how bad it was. So, so he was just, he was just, uh, his life had been ruined. His mother had died when he was, uh, you know, a baby or a young man, and then he had a horrible wife, and so so uh, uh, he wanted Daniel to be as miserable as he was, but it turns out Daniel was not. Well, I just have to say that we are now out of time for today's program, so what we'll do is we we will continue our introduction to Martha Washington next time. And remember, our third and final book in this series is Hero, The Life and Legend of Lawrence of Arabia. Now, if you have not read George Washington, Founding Father by Paul Johnson, there is still time for you to obtain a copy and read it. So you can find both books on Amazon. You can find used copies of the books at ababooks.com. And, of course, you can also check your local library. Now, please write me any comments you may have to jbl at pcog.org. You can follow JBL on Twitter at JBLiterature1. You can also follow JBL on Facebook. Simply search for Just the Best Literature. And remember, you can leave me a comment at Facebook. So, until next time, keep reading.